0: This was actually my real introduction and it kinda of rattled me and I thought, what? There could be a connection. Rattles, you hey
1: everyone, you are listening to
2: Canary Cry Radio and my name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number one forty nine. Are you out of your mind, Basil? Go, Apple,
3: Apple.
1: That's right, and today on the show we have Ali Siadatan, and this was a fella, regrettably, I gotta say, I had not heard much about before we had a chance to talk to him, but really a pleasant time learning about all the weird stuff going on in the universe.
2: Yeah, I mean, revisiting the UFO alien conversation, uh, the Nephilim and all that stuff, the Sons of God, the Watchers. And he was, he was talking about it pretty early on. And, uh, you know, it was a good conversation just revisiting that stuff. But also just bringing it back to now and entering 2020, Basil, things come into focus as an overused thing there in yeah, the 2020s. Y-
1: that's right. You know, he, he had been looking into this kind of stuff significantly before we uh, had been, like many of our guests, to be honest. Um, but... Uh, you know, it was really. I found it fascinating because here's the thing, folks. You think thinking, you know, oh, UFOs, angels, gods, and the Nephilim—all stuff that I've heard on Canary Cry before. But this is—he's got some interesting perspectives and views that, uh, honestly, I gotta say, I had not thought about. I think it's—it's uh, it's a good exercise for people to f- examine these ideas in the way that Ali is presenting them. Um, I'm. I'm not going to say maybe I'm totally on board with all of it, but as an explorer of the truth, it's always fascinating to hear new and uh, refreshing perspectives to look at these types of things.
2: Yeah. And you know, actually, I've come across a book recently by, and this was uh, somebody gave me this book to read, and it's by Seraphim Rose, who's an Orthodox monk. And in the 70s, he was uh, writing a book, about the future one-world religion and brings up the topic of UFOs, writing it, you know, right after the, you know, just a couple decades after the 49, 48 stuff when the UFOs and flying saucers became culturally relevant in the modern times. And uh, so it's interesting because the more you dig, it's like, ah, oh, there were people kind of looking at this from the biblical perspective and coming to the same conclusions that we are now. But uh, it's just one of those things where it's been... Kind of hidden, and it's not really known. And anytime you bring it up, people tend to look at you sideways. And this is one that <laughs> one of those topics that I think this is the topic that really helps uh, people understand the Bible even deeper. And I think it's one of those topics that for us at Canary Cry Radio, and I'm tying this into the community here because the community is pretty awesome right now. It's kicking off, Basil. There's
1: like, are you talking about Canary Cry dot
2: community,
1: a real URL that works? <laughs>
2: Yes, advertisement, Basil. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you go into that that prose when you go into the pitch mode. Well, I
1: like how my I like how my my biggest selling point for Canary Community is that it's a real working
2: URL. Yeah. Well, unless you have to put a <laughs> it's www. That's a huge selling point. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so so there are people in there talking about how this topic particularly caused some some strife with family and people that were believers in the church and stuff like that so uh just relating to that experience myself and uh i know many of you listening out there it's just one of those topics it's good to rehash but good to also pick at people's brains who's been looking at this for a couple decades or a few decades now so
1: there you go that's right so i'm excited for everybody to uh hear this interview. I can't wait to hear what, uh, or to read rather, what people at Community, a real URL, uh, will have to <laughs> say about this one. And just if you're wondering why I keep saying that, here's the thing, folks. We have Canary Cry Community on Facebook. It's a wonderful community on Facebook. 20, over 2,300 people uh, are, are cruising in there, uh, fellowshipping, <laughs> dropping memes, sharing stories getting into prayer requests and just overall connecting with other Canarians like themselves and like you. But if you haven't heard already, which would be crazy, but I'm here to compel everyone to go to canarycry.community. This is a very robust uh, platform that we have employed to creating another space on the internet outside of Facebook away from the lizard people and the big brother uh, <laughs> surveillance uh, to to commune to fellowship to joke with to pray for other canarians just like you who listen to canary cry radio family of products as well as all of the other sort of orbiting Material, you know, with from our guests and uh, are the researchers and authors. If you consider yourself, if you identify as a Canarian, Canary Dot Community is for you. And uh, one of my favorite things, actually, I don't. I, we have we're having a discussion. Guns. I, I made a promise that every hundred people that uh, join Canary Dot Community, I would give away. Some yeah. secret stats about right. you uh, yes. and your participation in yeah. the community because, mm-hmm. you know, this this is a big brother free zone. But in this case, you know, nobody sells uh, information, collects data from your browsing history or whatever, but... In the spirit of trying to draw people to the community, I've promised to just freely give away Gons' sensitive information. Because as an admin of CanaryCry.community, I have the power to do that. And Gons, here's what I'll say. I'll I'll give you this. You have recently hit a very fun new, uh, I don't know, a a user level or, or some sort of record. Status. Rank. Yes, I'll say this, Gons, you are a, the number one liked poster in CanaryCry. community. My fist is in the air. <laughs> Just receiving today your 500th heart on your posts. So congratulations, oh, Gons. Thank you.
2: Well, yeah. thank you to the people, and, actually, uh, because you guys, you know, in the community are the ones that are actually interacting and doing all that. Um, yeah. I I like posting in there, but also uh, there's, I, I, you know, I've never really been that big on memes. And just, mm-hmm. you know, I know I've, it's been there. I've seen memes and I've looked at them, but I'm really into making own <laughs> Oh, you've own seen like, memes? Yeah, I've seen them around. <laughs> That's the most but, uh, dad thing that oh, I've ever heard you say.
1: It's, it's I'm, oh, yeah, I'm floating yeah.
2: away. Trust me, I'm floating I've away. Seen <laughs> I've seen memes. I'm a cool kid. I've seen <laughs> I'm, memes. I'm cool. Luckily, we have people <laughs> like uh, like B Dub, uh, well B Dub Twelve oh, yeah. maybe, who come up with stuff like this for us.
3: The meme. That's right.
1: Jingle. That's right. That's our meme jingle. I love it. And there is a dank memes topic in uh, the Canary Cry community that is just constantly a, wonder, a wonderful uh, source of memes connected to the type of stuff that we talk about here. So I recommend everybody, go now. Every 100 people, uh, you know, every 100 mark, I will be giving away more stats of uh, Gon's uh, uh, participation in the community <laughs> because I have that power now
2: yeah speaking okay. of uh speaking of dad jokes steven in the in the memes thread says uh, or had it posted a meme so i was like i'm the son of god and they were like no way and i was like yahweh
1: yeah good one that's very good yeah. okay now let's move on and it's just to remind everybody hey we are we are so cool now that you can find <laughs> canary cry radio and canary cry news talk on spotify that's right spotify is trying to take over the whole uh, podcasting industry and we said yes <laughs> if people use we you clean. to listen to podcasts we will be there and so if you have a spotify account or want to get one for free? You can go and listen to Canary Cry Radio on Spotify, along with all your pop music. Right, your your SoundCloud
2: rappers' <laughs> music.
1: Yes, yeah, all the SoundCloud rappers are on Spotify, so that means nice. we're cool, gons. Are there Spotify rappers?
2: Thing, people just exclusively Spotify rappers that have uh, that Spotify logo yeah. on their tattooed on their face or something.
1: Yeah, except for Spotify, rappers don't have face tattoos. Uh, they have butt tattoos.
0: <laughs> Real mature. Okay, moving
1: on. Real mature. Moving on, folks. Okay, here we go. Um, if you want to support Canary Cry Radio or any of the work we do, here's the thing, folks. You can go to patreon.com slash CCR. And, uh, you know, I've been making a big deal about it and I'm still going to make a big deal about it. Because here's the thing we are, uh, the podcasting industry is getting taken over by, you know, the former sort of Hollywood people. Every actor, every democracy. filmmaker, every author, every person, you know, celebrities are getting podcasts. Why? Because they know they can make some money on advertising. That's how they're used to making their living. I have very specific feelings about this. I think podcast is the medium of the people. It is not for celebrities. And now, Gons, you and I, we are people. and uh, We are not celebrities. But here's the thing. We've, we're not celebrities, although some people so graciously call us that, but we definitely are not. And we don't believe in selling your attention. Uh, we we feel very grateful for how much attention people give us on the show, people listening, people interacting with us. And to sell that to a big advertiser so they can add your file, your data into their media assassination banks so they can get you to buy more Swiffer wet jets just doesn't feel right. But that being said, when you kind of have to deal with as much uh uh, internet products and hosting and bandwidth and all the stuff that we have to do costs really pile up and it is up to you guys the listeners if you find value in this show or any of the shows that we do it is your responsibility to uh, help us keep it going you know a lot of a lot of podcasters and it's very good people like us you know they make a big deal about how they pay for the whole thing out of their own. Pockets, but I don't think any of us here want to keep it that way. <laughs> you know, you can, here's the thing you listen to a show that doesn't ask for donations and they play advertisements at you. That is not a free show. That you become the product when you're getting advertised to. And we don't believe in turning you guys into products. So, that being said, if you find value, if you're entertained, educated, edified, anything like that, if you've gotten any value, maybe you've listened to one episode, maybe you've listened to a 100 episodes, no matter what it is, Head over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio and sign up to support the show. It's really important. Now, I know I've said it before, you listener right now, yes, you with the earbuds in or your car speakers blaring in traffic, you're thinking, oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad Basil's making a big deal about this again, because that means someone out there will go and donate. And that's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. You, the listener right now listening, have the responsibility, the the weight, the crown is on your head to respond to this call. And to do that, go to patreon.com slash Radio and uh, pledge to support the show and there's all sorts of fun rewards on there there's bonus content you know you get extra stuff but most of all you are telling Gons and i that you appreciate the fact that we do not turn you guys into a product and sell you to advertisers that's the pitch that's the plan uh so please once again head over to canary cry radio nope don't do that go to patreon.com canary cry radio and here's the thing, if Patreon isn't your thing, if you don't like Patreon for whatever reason, which we totally understand, please, Gons hit me with that jingle. CanaryCryRadio.com/slash/support. That's right, Gons, and I think this is getting a little long, so here's the thing. We're going to get into the interview now, but folks, do not hang up. When the interview is over, because at the end of the show, we've got a couple more important things to let you know about. And we're going to be going over some ratings and reviews, some very fun reviews to read this week, guns. Yes. Um, so stick around till the end of the show. I know once Ali gets off uh, the call, you're going to want, you're just going to be like, well, Basil is just going to make me feel guilty for not donating again. I'm not going to listen <laughs> to the end of the show. Well, just don't do that. Listen all the way to the end. It's going to be great.
2: Okay. And if you're not convinced that uh, you should support us, then, then we'll do this. Mind control, control research, research intensifies. intensifies. <laughs> That's right. Okay, everybody,
1: listen to the next <laughs> hour and a half of mind control. <laughs> Is
3: that how we're going to go. Okay. Go. Go. <laughs> The parable of Jesus that I count as foundational for Satan and evil is the one where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who owned a field and sowed good seed in it, had his servants go good seed in it, and then by night an enemy came and sowed weeds in the field and then went away. The
2: chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among
3: them as in Sinai, in holiness. Psalm 68, 17. It would appear that the strategy of Satan was to introduce this as a means of corrupting the human line to preclude God's plan of redemption through the Messiah, which had to be a kinsman of Adam. One of the strange things to me is that there's been very little connection between our idea of angels and UFOs and yet the idea is that both are some kind of reality that comes from a higher world above earth and wherever that other world is we don't know and the possibility is that uh, both groups influence human development. Uh, and are guiding human development, and perhaps are even acting in a godlike way in controlling uh, human culture. But there's never, by and large, in modern thinking, there's been almost no attempt to connect the two. Well, the Nephilim in the book of Genesis, of course, are the hybrid offspring of these strange interludes between the fallen angels and the daughters of, of man, of, of Adam. And so they're hybrids, and uh, they are uh, very prominent in uh, the early chapters of Genesis, but they're also, Scripture says, occurred after that, to some extent.
2: This is Canary Cry Radio. It was 1997 when the book Alien Encounters, The Secret Behind the UFO Phenomenon by Chuck Missler and Mark Eastman reintroduced this Fringe topic to the church from a grounded and biblical perspective, things like Genesis 6 and the Nephilim, the sons of God, Ha Elohim, the chariots of God, and some of his glorious theophanies all started to fill the gaps and connect the dots as to what was going on in this weird modern obsession with UFOs and aliens. And as we enter the 33rd year since its publication, shows like ours stand proudly on the shoulders of such research, which gave us the scriptural basis by which we can approach and understand the subject of UFOs, alien abductions, and all things paranormal and supernatural. And while Dr. Missler is at home with the Lord today, at least from our vantage point in space-time, There were many who documented Dr. Missler talking about these issues, and while one of our biggest failures here on Canary Cry Radio was not ever being able to conduct an interview with Dr. Missler before he went home, one guest on this episode certainly did. He is the man behind Think Again Productions, who in 2006 published the documentary UFOs, Aliens, and Gods, Alien Abductions Explained. Uh, this seminal documentary featured Dr. Chuck Missler, but also other researchers like Dr. David Jacobs, who we got to interview on episode 102, uh, and many other experts in the field. And uh, we here at Canary Cry Radio, we're happy to bring in Ali Siadatan. Ali, how you doing, buddy? Great.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Um, the documentary, by the way, is called UFOs, Angels, and Gods. Oh, Ooh. oh that's my mistake what was i looking at nice
1: live action uh correcting of gods. oh yeah
2: there it is angels i must have i must have just subconsciously believed that the aliens and angels were one thing (laughs) there there is a connection
1: (laughs) well ali we're so happy to have you on the show buddy and uh, I got to say, you know, a, a lot of, as we know, in recent years, maybe the last decade or so, um, the interest and the research regarding aliens, angels, UFOs, and other spiritual beings has uh, really picked up, at least in uh, from our view over here. And it's, it seems to be rich, reaching some kind of tipping point. I mean, I can talk to to regular normies at church now, and many of them, uh, you know, entertain this sort of idea. But you uh, certainly got started uh, at least a, a few years before Gonz and I, so I suppose we owe you a thank you.
0: Oh, you're most welcome. You know, it's something that uh, I believe uh, God led me to as part of my journey as I was exploring the whole topic of angels, this came to my attention and so I started to look deeper into it. I, I did uh, read uh, Dr. Missler's uh, book that you mentioned. And uh, then I had a UFO sighting that was close up and that really Ooh. changed everything for me. And then so one thing led to another. And uh, uh, over the years, uh, as I've seen other people uh, turn their heads this way, I feel that this is something that needs to be unveiled for this generation. And, and I think that's what we're witnessing is a, a, a larger awareness you know, that's happening around us because it's timely knowledge.
1: Yeah, you know, that's very interesting. And my goodness, you just so casually dropped the fact that you had your own uh, UFO encounter. So I hope that gets included in the story. But uh, yeah, you know, having made your movie when you did, what, uh, give us the story. What was the background? What led you to that place?
0: Well, um, in, in 1996, 1997, Uh, I was a graduate student at the University of Toronto. I was studying uh, French literature, I was doing a master's degree, and I was attending these uh, Bible studies. And I'd come to, uh, you know, uh, to the Lord uh, in 1991. And uh, one day we walked into the study, we sat down, and I noticed that the teacher was very much uh, wrestling in his own seat. Uh, I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Once everybody came in the room, he said, "You know, I want you guys to turn to the first chapter of the Scroll of Ezekiel." And he said, "This has been on my mind for some time, and I'm I want to share it." And we thought, "Okay." And so we read the first chapter of Ezekiel, and it's uh, this pro this vision that he has. Uh, ooh, he's in Mesopotamia, in modern day Iraq, and he sees, you know, the coming uh, of the glory of God, and he describes it in a way that uh, to the modern eyes, uh, I, th- I think it was Steven Spielberg who actually who captured that in his uh, movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's a boy, uh, you know, watching this thing come. And, and so the, it's, it had these overlaps, the, uh, you know, with, with this whole idea of UFOs. Um, I didn't know anything about the UFO phenomenon at that point, other than it was... Something that some people talked about maybe was a strange thing. Could we really trust these accounts? So I was really had never been exposed and studying the Bible and coming from a background where I was into mysticism and really trying to connect to God on an internal uh, level. Um, I had become, you know, curious about all the prophecies in the Bible and the histo- historical account of ancient cities, but the Council of Angels, I had never really looked deep into it other than it's there, it's part of the narrative. And so this was actually my real introduction and it kind of rattled me and I thought, what, there could be a connection so I started to to dig, uh, and there was really nothing I could read about in in the uh, you know Christian world. Uh, there was all these ancient astronaut theorists. There was uh, Von Donakin. Um, and so I looked up you know, some of his stuff and, and then there was another guy his name was Zacharias Sitchin and um, these guys they had another perspective into this whole story that astronauts had visited earth long ago and they're also visiting earth today so that's why they're called the ancient astronaut theorists I didn't share that perspective with them but I was intrigued uh, with the research they had dug out uh, concerning ancient civilizations and some of their Massive achievements, and um, I thought, okay, this is uh, this is interesting. It's intriguing, so I started to look into um, the passages in the Bible that seem to talk about these beings and one passage that kind of collectively uh, captured our imagination was in genesis chapter six it was about the sons of god and the daughters uh, of adam um, having children that were called in hebrew nephilim and it was translated as giants uh, because of jerome who translated the bible from hebrew into the modern day latin of everyday romans in the fourth century, and he translated the word as gigantus. And so, it passed into the English vocabulary as giants. And I thought, okay, well, if, if these guys are, are real, if we, we are to understand these angels, they, you know, the UFO phenomenon and and this backdrop uh, of the possibility of a connection, I think was making this these stories a lot more literal for us suddenly. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait a second, we don't have to dig deeper for some secret mystical meaning. This could actually be happening. Um, and so I, we started to look into that. And that's when uh, I came across um, Chuck Missler. Uh, the, the, there was a, uh, an expo and I was walking through the expo and there was a guy selling tapes. And um, this was, the, he actually had actual tapes, you know, you, you, you put in your, your Walkman. And, and so I thought, oh, these are interesting tapes. And suddenly there was one called The Return of the Nephilim. And I thought, wow, there's another guy actually talking about this. Let me listen to this. And um, I thought, okay, you know, he, he, we, we. I think we at this point we had covered the 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 information that he was digging out of the Bible. There's, you know, a, a finite number of passages, but it was a good confirmation that okay, there are other people are thinking about this. And and then I read his book, uh, Alien Encounters, and again, that was good, but at this point, you know, I was going deep into the research myself of what was happening with the modern-day UFO phenomenon, who had been documenting it, what's the nature of it, um, and I realized, wow, it's some very credible people in their own rank, you know, documenting this information, uh, like Johnny Mac um, from Harvard. Um, Later, I came across Dr. David Jacobs uh, from Temple University in Philadelphia, and there was J. Allen Hynek, who had headed Project Blue Book, which itself uh, had gathered a large collection of information at a time where we didn't have uh, Photoshop and the magic of digital uh, manipulation. It was a lot more honest, and it was something that the government was running so people could openly call. And, And I realized that... You know, between kind of the late '40s and the late '60s, in the United States, this conversation was a lot more uh, happening. You know, the government hadn't decided yet which way it was leaning, and the culture—many uh, w- w- people were witnessing these things—and there was a conversation at every level of the culture, uh, from government officials to uh, tower operators to pilots to regular folk. Everyone was really openly talking about all of this, and. Uh, You know, then I came across this uh, uh, gentleman um, from Ithaca, New York. Um, His name was Barry Downing. He was a pastor and he was actually the first person ever to have written a book that connected the possibility of UFOs uh, to angels and things that are in the Bible. Um and so uh, his book has a funny little cover I think it was you know was published uh, a long time ago um, but actually, it's it's a very academic book. It's very thorough. I mean, he was doing his PhD in in Scotland, uh, considering the relationship between the thoughts of Isaac Newton and 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 uh, the and the Bible, and the relationship between science and religion. And suddenly, he you know uh, came across the UFO phenomenon, and he thought, well, how could all of this relate to the world of angels? And that led him into into a whole study that was very interesting. And so I started to kind of see these these connections appear before me between um, uh, these uh, passages in scripture such as Elijah, being taken up in a chariot of fire and horses of fire, uh, such as the children of Israel uh, leaving Egypt and following this pillar, um, such as you know the the the, the vision of Ezekiel, uh, or or even possibly even the story of the Magi uh, following a star that appears and disappears and then it kind of stands still on a single location and is an angel, and this concept that that there are these chariots uh, mentioned in the Bible. It, it says in, in the uh, scroll of the prophet Isaiah, in the 66th chapter, I think it's verse 15, which is uh, the last chapter of the book, it talks about how God will return with his uh, chariots. And I thought, well, God will return with his chariots. Um, what does this mean? And, and the Hebrew word, there are two Hebrew words, rekab and merkebah, and, and recap kind of, they both kind of mean vehicle. The, the reason they were translated as chariot is because, uh, until recently there was no other vehicle. Uh, so it was redundant. Why, why put anything else? And, and suddenly the idea that this could be taken literally that, uh, we are invited to understand that this, that the scriptures record the true nature of reality, that they talk about real people in, in uh, living in real cities, and that archaeologists, you know, are, were able to dig up some of the ancient cities. Well, most of the ancient cities of, of of the Book of Genesis. And so, then, what about these passages that talked about these beings coming and going, and this whole phenomenon that we were seeing, and um. Then this uh, research of the alien abductions—you know—that's something that um, uh, was an important piece of the puzzle. Um, In his book, Chuck uh, Messler, he was saying that he only has one line. I think it's too strange. He didn't want to go deep into it. He said there may be a connection between the ancient accounts of nephilim and the modern day abduction phenomenon he just says that like like in passing he just puts that line in there but somehow my mind fixated on that line and and usually when that happens to me i some i feel like you know i'm being led to look into it mm-hmm. so I, I i went and looked into that and and discovered that dr jacobs was ri- writing about this stuff so i I you know, I bought his book and I it just so happened that weekend I was doing a retreat in the middle of the woods where I was in a cabin by myself and I took that book with me. It was not the right book to take with you if you're gonna go and sleep <laughs> in the middle of the woods in a cabin, I tell you that. Uh, so but you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know what this guy has to say. So I'm reading this book and it and, you know, halfway through it, I'm, I'm realizing is it dawning on me that this is real. Th- this guy is actually documenting something very real that people all around the world are being abducted and, and they're all you know, experiencing the same thing, which we documented in the documentary, and we can talk about it in a moment. But essentially, you know, these alien human hybrids are being created. And yes, that does sound a lot like the story of the giants of the ancient world, the Hebrews, the Greeks, the Assyrians. I mean, everyone was talking about these demigods, the Indians, the Chinese, I mean, everyone talks about them. and so, um, you, 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 know, you know, I was once in Persopolis, which is the capital, uh, one of the capitals of the ancient Persian Empire. And I was there uh, with my dad, who was alive at that time. And, and he said, you know, he was, a, he was an architect. He said, these pillars would be difficult even today to set up. I wonder how these guys did it, you know, 2,500 years ago. And there was a villager. Uh, it was it was a holiday and he had brought his family to the ruins and I turned around to him, you know, kind of mockingly, I think, and I said to him, um, sir, how do you think this stuff was put together? And he suddenly straightened his back, took my question very seriously and he said, well, according to ancient cuneiform tablets, there were champions living among them and these champions were giants and they gave them the insight of how to do this. And I thought, wow oh, even, you know he, this guy's even talking about it so so this there was a connection and it was very interesting um, and then um, one day um, uh, I came to again see this teacher that I was studying the Bible with um, and uh, he uh, he said to me as I was walking up the stairs, he was standing right on top of the stairs and he said to me, you know um, I know where the throne of Satan is." And this was kind of this this epiphany, you know, all of these passages were just coming to light suddenly one after the other uh, about angels and the sons of God and, and their offsprings. And now this was another discovery. And I said to him, well, where is it? He said, well, it's in the city of Pergamum. It says that right here in the second chapter of the book of Revelation. And it does. It's a letter that the Lord himself writes to you know uh, uh christ wrote seven letters to seven christian congregations in asia minor modern day turkey and this was one of them to to the church of pergamum and um, I thought, okay, well, it says that Satan's throne is there. It says that twice in that letter. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go look for this. Uh, and so I had, you know, this was before the internet, right? So you couldn't just like Google things. And you was know, yeah, right. no Google. There was Yahoo that we were using. And people, you know, I had access to it because, uh, as, as a graduate student at the university, we had uh, fiber optic cable eventually installed. But in the city as a whole, internet was dial-up, and, and it was only for checking email, and really no one had it. So um, I went to the library, and I put in uh, uh, pergamum, you know, just to see what I could find. And it took me to the, muse- the um, library of archaeology. In, in the uh, in the museum that was attached to the university so I went there and I found this book uh, and there was a notes of Carl um, Heumann who was the German engineer slash archaeologist um, and he had dug up the city of Pergamum ancient Pergamum and in it he said you know if there was Anything of literal importance, um, of uh, of architectural importance that the uh, that Christ may have been mentioning when he talked about the throne of Satan, it must have been the altar of Zeus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I thought, wow, this guy's talking about it as well, and he's kind of making a connection with the altar of Zeus. And you know, I, I now have done a huge amount of research on that altar, and and it, it's going to be part of a, a a book I'm going to be writing. So. But at that time, I was really excited, I photocopied that page, I ran back, and I said to him, to the teacher, I said, you know what, there seems to be this thing, the altar of Zeus, and I think this archaeologist himself made a connection. Maybe this is kind of what, uh, you know, Jesus was referring to. And, you know, you have to understand, this altar is just fascinating. It was... It was dug up by Carl Heumann. It was brought to Germany, to Berlin, and they got uh, permission from the Ottoman Empire to bring it out, and they did. They put it on train, and they brought it all the way to Berlin, and a group of people Got together. I mean, this was a time in Germany where there was a massive, uh, you know, uh, seeking uh, uh, after the ancient gods, uh, spiritualism, channeling. Uh, there was a whole spiritual turn among the German people that eventually yeah. led to the rise of the Nazis and 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 their leader, who was seen as the guy who would implement their spirituality. And so these people got together, they petitioned the government and they say, you know, we want to build a new museum where we're going to display this altar fully um, uh, installed because they would just take pieces of this archaeological finds and put them up for display. But this altar, they said, no, we have to reconnect this thing. We have to put this up completely as we have found it. And eventually they, they got the permission. They built a museum and they put it there. And then, you know, Hitler's uh, architect, uh, Albert Speer, he went to that uh, museum. He saw the altar. He was uh, uh, bewitched by it. He loved it. And so he then created a, a large a version of it for Hitler that he installed in Nuremberg where Hitler had his Nuremberg rallies and from where he declared the Holocaust. Actually, he stood on that uh, uh, on this thing that Albert Speer had built for him and, and from there he declared the Holocaust. Oh, but wow. The Dublin Tribune? Sorry, yes. And so, in, um, in 1997, we, you know, we didn't have all this knowledge. It was just more like there's a connection here. And so um, we thought, okay, why would the Lord make a connection between um, the uh, Zeus, who was, you know, a Greek god and for us um, a figure of Greek mythology at this point? Why would why would God make a connection between him? And the leader of the fallen angels in the biblical thinking, you know, Satan. Well, if this is true, that this altar in at Pergamum was in fact what he was referring to, why would he make that connection? And so then the, the idea suddenly dawned upon us, which is, well, is there a connection between the gods and the fallen angels? And so I had a program called ESORD where I could isolate any word in the Bible And it would spit out all the passages where that word appeared. So I went and I typed in the word gods, and it spat out uh, hundreds of passages. I think I was just counting them. I have well over 500 passages uh, in the Old and New Testament. And I started to read them, all of them at once. I just sat and read all 500 passages. And when you read something over and over again throughout all of Scripture at once, it has a quality, it reveals something to your mind Uh, you know what I mean it really like and suddenly I realized that there were so many passages that talked about these guys as though they were real beings they were chastised they were commanded to worship God and even God's own title he's called the God of Gods in let's say Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 17 the God of Gods and so it's like why would God be the head of mythological beings so suddenly all of these ancient um, quote-unquote deities suddenly came to life. It, the, wait a second. The fallen angels that were behind the nations and um, the, all of the ancient astronaut theories that I was looking at with Zacharias Sitchin and von Däniken that were showing the amount of massive amount of knowledge that was being passed down from these uh, beings to these civilizations, now suddenly – I, from a biblical point of view, I could agree that these beings that were behind the nations were real beings and and that the Bible is identifying these quote-unquote gods as the fallen angels. You know, the term fallen angels is a term of Christian culture. It doesn't exist anywhere in the biblical text, right? In the, in the Bible, they are called the gods of the nations. They're also called the sons of God. These are kind of the two passage the two names they have and so looking back at the relationship with the nations um, i noticed well wait a second we see in daniel chapter 10 it talks about the prince of persia and the prince of greece and then there is um, this conversation between satan and jesus where satan says you know that all the kingdoms of the earth have been given to him his dominion over all of them and he will give them to whom he will so Uh, The idea of the polytheistic religions and the gods that were behind the nations, you know, uh, providing uh, knowledge and information, Uh, you know, Satan was kind of perhaps referring to this spiritual setup. And then there's also, uh, you know, other passages. But then I remembered something Chuck said. Um, Chuck used to point to the fact that in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 32, verse 8 and 9. Um, uh, There is actually a mention of these guys, of the sons of God. It says that when God divided the nations and set their boundaries, he divided them according to the number of the sons of God. Uh, it says that in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, very respected and widely used by Jews before the time of Christ and by the early church that was Greek-speaking. And, and I thought, okay, um, I, I went and looked that up in the Septuagint, and it does say that, that the nations, you know, had these sons of God behind them, and God had chosen Jacob as his own inheritance. And, and Chuck didn't go f- deeper into it. For him, it was just another mention of the word sons of God. They appeared in the book of Genesis, they appeared in the book of Job, and they also appeared it seems in the book of Deuteronomy. That's That was the extent of his thinking of it. But for me, with this revelation that these guys behind the nations were actually real beings, now this passage, it was like a cornerstone passage. It, now everything fell into place God had divided the world in this way He had given the nations into the hands of these beings He had chosen Jacob for himself And the way that he spoke to Jacob And spoke through the prophets of Israel And set up a kingdom And set up laws And set up reality for them And set up a temple These guys had done the same thing With the nations that over which they governed They too had revealed the codes of civilization They too had revealed laws and paradigms That shaped reality and they also had given even plans for i mean i I got lots of architectural plans handed down by the gods in fact that's the source of ancient mathematics because you need a lot of math to build this stuff and so the picture now was falling together these beings had been with us from the beginning they always had these chariots whatever they are uh, however they are you know we don't want to kind of turn them into 20th century science fiction, and we don't want to spiritualize it to the point where there is nothing. But these beings, they have these vehicles, and uh, and they all do, the good, the bad, they all do. And even God is amongst them, it says, uh, and returns with these things. Um, and so the Lord may have left, because it says, you know, the Lord ascended into a cloud, which is considered to be the glory, the shakinah. But in the book of uh, Daniel, it says that the son of man comes to the ancient of days riding a cloud. Now, what kind of a cloud does the Lord ascend into that is also bringing him to the presence of God? So even that may have been, you know, he was the son of David after all, and he was kind of. But if God is among the chariots, it says in the book of Isaiah, and he comes with the chariots. You know, for me, it wasn't really a problem because I don't put God in a box. Like, I'm not going to say what God can or cannot do. Um, you know, if you know, some people believe that God rode on the back of a donkey or was on a fisherman's boat uh, or even was at the end of Roman whips. Uh, you know, I mean, God is the freedom to to be all that he wants to be. It is his creation that is bound by laws. And is, and, and is limited. And so God manifests himself in his, in his creation. And, and he, and you know, he may be here. He may be on a fisherman's boat. He may be among the chariots in the heavens. So for me, that really never really, you know, made any difference. It didn't turn God into any, a lesser of a being or an alien, nor was I, you know, uh, coming up with some sort of a science fiction uh, uh, version of these things uh, that I was imposing on the world of angels. I was just realizing that there were always vehicles involved, that these beings uh, had been here from the dawn of history, that they had governed over the nations, that the nations exposed, talked to them, you know, extensively, they gave th- three things down of major importance one they give the scepter of rule and that is recorded in the um, sumerian list of kings uh which is the most ancient you know record we have of uh, the governance of the uh, of the earth the, the the chronicles of the kings of the earth it is the first and most ancient one that we have and it says that kingship and and the word actually uses and and there's a reason for that but the word it says kingship was handed down from heaven to earth you know there was a city of eridu before the flood Um, eridu was one of the great cities before the flood and then there was the city of kish after the flood uh, to which kingship was handed down and the scepter of rule goes from the mesopotamia to persia to greece to rome and then it scatters among all of the nations that bear the eagle as their symbol as god scatters israel and jerusalem is destroyed uh, in return You know, God scatters Rome and now that Jerusalem has been united again, God may regather Rome as we kind of are entering into the final phase. But this um, uh, scepter of rule is what Satan is referring to in his temptations with Jesus. And so I realized, oh, that was one thing these guys handed down. The second thing they handed down was um, their own bloodline. They 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 entered the human world uh, in the form of these hybrid offsprings. And, and we figured out even back then in the 90s when we were reading the teachings of the New Testament that the parable of the wheat and tares was referring to this contamination. And it was suggesting that this mm-hmm. is continuing all the way into the second coming. So that is the second thing they handed down, is their own bloodlines, and there's a whole bloodline of kings that they have as well. And the third thing they handed down was the laws. In fact, the Mesopotamians say that the purpose of writing was so that it could record the laws of the gods. And the laws of the gods are at the foundation of civilization. You know, there's a guy who goes on top of a mountain, he gets a code of law, and then a civilization is born. The most recent example that we have looking back from our time is the uh, the rise of Islam, where, you know, the the Arabs are flanked by two great civilizations, the Persians and the Greeks, and suddenly one of them says, I'm receiving a code from above, and voila, you know, an entire worldview is born. Uh, they have an understanding of reality of God, of the afterlife, of how they should live, and, and then they're energized, and within 100 years, they conquer both the Persian and Greek empire. So, this is the most, you know, closest example of this phenomenon. But as I say in the opening lines of the documentary, all uh, civilizations attribute their genesis to the gods. And so mm. this, the whole thing started to become real for us that there was you know, there was um, these beings uh, uh, that are called the sons of God or the gods of the nations. They're the fallen angels and they have been given the nations uh, and they have these vehicles. Then the angels of God have also these vehicles and and even God himself and that God has chosen Jacob and there's the whole story of the Bible leading to Christ and to the coming of the Holy Spirit and the freeing of the nations uh, through the Passover lamb As, as the nations hear the good news, they'll let go of the worship of these beings and they you know, enter into fellowship with the living God, becoming united with the Jews who already had that uh, advantage. And so this is how polytheism gave way to monotheism is the atonement and the pouring of the spirit and the dismantling of this world order, which you know hasn't completely been dismantled. It it, it, it carries in the second coming. Um, and then there was a the story of the Nephilim and how this connected to the modern day alien abduction and 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 the rise of the modern-day hybrids and i was reading dr jacobs book that day in the woods it suddenly pressed <laughs> on my heart that they i mean it, it it really uh you know freaked me out the truth is i was like looking out the window thinking "Whoa," <laughs> you know um but after uh uh up there in the woods in that weekend i, I said to myself People really need to know about this. I mean, maybe the Antichrist is going to be the seed of the serpent. And this is literal. He's a, There's actually a guy coming out of all of this. And and in fact, there are 10 kings, it says in the book of uh, Daniel, uh, when it talks about the mingling of these seeds uh, as part of the final empire. I thought, you know, people need to know about this. They need to know about this. And this was kind of something that uh, was on my heart. And then i um uh, Christmas was coming, and this is kind of you know the year two thousand, the Christmas of two thousand and I had this urge it was I couldn't push it. it was just like an echo beating against my heart, uh, like a drumbeat that um I needed to go to Iran. My dad was alive, and i and I should tell him that, according to the scroll of the prophet Ezekiel there may be a war between Iran and Israel at some point in the future and should he you know witness this war even though he can't do anything about it he should not agree with it in his heart because god you know speaks about this conflict you know t- taken literally that's that's what the passage seems to 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 indicate and so i got on a plane and i went to iran and um he said okay what is it that you want to see me about and i told him well, this is what it is. And I and I had a Persian copy of, of the Old Testament. I opened it up for him. He read it and his wife was with him. And they, you know, they're very polite about it. They listen to it. And they kind of said, well, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. We'll keep that in mind. And I thought... Well, that was anticlimactic. I thought (laughs) something big was going to happen here. Right. So, you know, I went to bed and then the the next morning I woke up and suddenly I heard them screaming for me, come out, come out. And I I ran out. It was kind of like, you know, in the middle of the day, you know, the jet lag, I was sleeping. Um, And I went out and I said, what's what's going on? They said, look, it was on television, these Russian generals. Had come to Iran to sign a military accord ah. that said if Iran is in war, uh, then Russia will support it. Mm. And this was this was the very 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 beginnings of uh, you know the building of the nuclear project. And Iran was kind of getting concessions from Russia in return of giving them the the contract to build a nuclear reactor in Iran. And so. Um, and, and this and I had mentioned that Russia may be involved in this war with Iran. And so he I mean, this was my understanding of this passage then. and and he, they said, you know, this is true then. this this could actually happen. I mean, Israel is there, Iran, the Islamic government is at you know at, at war with them and around Russia. so so my dad said, "Are you telling me this book tells the future before it happens?" I said, "Well, I, th- I think it does," and he said, "Well, I want to know more about it because this is good for business. If I can know what's happening,
2: <laughs> if I know That's what's happening."
0: That's a pragmatic guy. Um, yeah, he, you know, he he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a believer at this at this moment in time. So, but I was excited that they just wanted to hear. So I said, "Great, you know, I'm here for two weeks," and and so I sat down, starting with the Book of Genesis. I told them the entire story of the Bible, including the angels, including the possibility of UFOs, including the Nephilim, the Messianic prophecies, the the, the, the prophecies concerning the, the, the empires of the world, Israel, you know, everything. And then we got into the Gospel of John. And by the time we got to the 22nd chapter, both him and his wife got baptized. It was a wonderful thing. And then they said, you know, why don't we go south to Shiraz where, you know, um, his his family is from um, and and see the rest of the family uh, as part of this trip. And I said, okay, let's do that. So we got in the car and we were driving past midnight and we were driving to our first stop, which was a town in between. It's an 11-hour drive in the desert. And it's kind of like an Arizona-type desert. It's rocky. It's not like sand dunes. And once you're kind of outside of the big capital there are no street lights. It's just the oncoming traffic, um, the lights of the stars, the moon, and and that's it. And we were driving very late into the night hour because the highways are dangerous. People speed. I mean, Iran has the highest rate of uh, speeding deaths. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's just safer to drive late at night. So it's, it's empty. And so we were driving to our first pit stop where we were going to sleep, which was Isfahan. It's a, it's a city of a few million people. And I had my back to the passenger door of the car. Um, my dad's wife was driving and my dad was sitting in between the two back seats. It was an SUV. And um, I was, you know, we were now deep into the discussion of scripture and I was just excited and I was just telling them everything that was going through my mind. And so I was really, you know, talking and suddenly his, his uh, wife pointed out the window behind my head And she said, uh, she was just making these weird noises pointing out the window. And I was so into what I was saying, I didn't really uh, pay attention. And then my dad looked at her and said, What's wrong, Nima? And he then looked to where she was pointing. And he started to make the same noises. Now they're both pointing out the window behind my head going, and and I was sitting sitting in the front seat with my back to the passenger door facing them talking. And so I kind of straightened myself up and I sat in my seat and I looked out the window and, you know, a few hundred feet ahead and above, I could see this. Giant. I mean, this thing was like a, a massive building. Like it was—it was building. It was on the ground. It would be a very large, three to four-story building. It was huge. It was round, and I could see structure. I could see division, and I could see uh, a green glow. And I could—we were close enough that I could see. It had a lot of green lights around it, and that's why it was glowing green. And it was slowly coming down. Until it was perpendicular to the car, wow. and I I thought I saw in the desert night a black tube, a large cylindrical tube, come out of the ground of the desert. This thing rose up, and this thing w- went right on top of it, and then it went into the earth. It was coming straight down like an angle of descent. It went on top of this black thing, and it went into the earth. And if it wasn't so close, you could have not seen this black tube. It had the same color as the desert night. It was only because we were so close that I could see it. And at that point, my the second it disappeared, my dad's wife, I mean, we were all in, in a state of shock, kind of you know processing it in our own way. And my dad's wife said, this is a sign from God to show us that all that Ali is saying is true. Uh-huh. You know, here... Here I was telling them something they'd never heard about, you know, the Bible. They they live in a different worldview when it came to religion and spirituality. And I was kind of changing everything on them. I was changing all the concepts of reality on them. And so this was for her. And and then she said, Did you see that? Did you see that? And he said, I did, I didn't. I just kind of, you know, sank in my chair, even though I was thinking about these things. But I guess I realized that there's a difference between sitting in your basement and, and reading and, and thinking about something and actually, like, actually getting this confirmation and going, what? <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's just kind of sank quietly in my seat thinking, what just happened? And so we went to Isfahan and then we went to Shiraz, and then nine people got baptized it was a fascinating trip it was so much was happening in that trip like, i mean it was people were getting dreams it was it was just an incredible trip and so this this leaning leading that god had put in my heart to go and in that christmas there i think you know i realized with hindsight yeah this was from god so when i came back i had this new motivation to really dig deeper into this and I, I realized, wow, now I see why people don't talk about it. You do feel like the fear of ridicule, like people are going to make fun of you. There's a kind of a pressure. And well, now I know exactly where that pressure comes from as far as the way the information has been, you know, decim- uh, uh, spread into the culture. It goes back to Condon Report of 1971 as far as North America is concerned, but regardless, Um, I started to look into these websites. There was one called the UFO Reporting Center where people could now uh, type in what they were seeing. And I was reading all of these accounts of people um, seeing things and it was cataloged by time, by date, by shape. And now I could believe it. I was like, I'm one of these guys. I, in fact, wrote a report myself because it was therapeutic, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I was like, I can hear somebody here can actually, you know, here's a community of people that And so I suddenly all the research now fell into place. Everything about the gods, about the sons of the gods, about the chariots, about the prophecies, and about how could it could all come to a head, um, you know, ahead of us because. Yeah, I have to tell you that when you're in the center of s- such a tempest, uh, where over the course of three years you have so much information pouring into your consciousness, with hindsight, I'm confident to say that it was from God, uh, that so many passages in, s- in scripture are coming to life something stays inside of you that you kind of go, wow, this is the central point. Uh, Despite, you know, all the history lessons and all the interesting things that come to light about the narrative structure of the Bible, the central point is that the Lord and his angels will return in something that will appear more like, you know, an alien invasion, and that there will be chariots in, in vehicles, as it says in the scriptures, involved in the second coming, and that the good guys and the bad guys have it, you know, I, again, I wasn't familiar with other people talking about this, but I, I discovered that there was this another school of thought in the United States, and these guys were focusing only on the fact that you know, the sons of God and the daughters of men had had ch- children in the days of Noah, and that the Lord was saying in Matthew 24 that it will be like the days of Noah, and therefore the alien abduction phenomenon and the reappearance of UFOs is a reemergence of the Nephilim phenomenon and therefore these guys were bad then and they're bad now and the UFO phenomenon is demonic end of story and mm-hmm. and but we had discovered something else in addition to those passages God had given us additional hermeneutical keys and and additional keys that were unlocking Further passages, and this had to do with the gods, the, and their relationship with the nations, and how, you know, everyone here was using these uh, chariots, the good and the bad. And that's why there was a a possibility of a battle, like in the, in the uh, book of Daniel, chapter 10, where an angel comes from God, but the prince of Persia is able to withstand him for 21 days, and then he has to call for backup. Michael comes to take over the battle, so this angel can come and deliver his message of scriptural importance the prophet Daniel, obviously both these angels, the good and the bad, had comparable strength and that's why they could actually put up a fight. So if the bad guys have it and the good guys should have it as well, and and, and that's why they can actually fight with each other. In fact, in the documentary, I put this footage I got from the Columbia shuttle. Um, they put these cameras on the shuttles when they go up in the air just so they film things. And they, there's this footage that Columbia Shuttle filmed of, of two things shooting at each other, and one of them uh, it gets shoots out a beam and the other speeds away. And so um, this footage was scrutinized to death, and people believed it was real. And I thought, wow, there's a war in the heavens, and that's what maybe the crashes, the UFO crashes are about. Things are being sh- are shot down. And so this Additional series of revelation that had to do with the sun, uh, the gods and the nations and the vehicles of the good guys and the bad guys. This gave us, I thought, a more complete picture, which led to the possibility that yes, God and his army, as it says in Isaiah 66, God will return with his uh, chariots. And, and that's why it's possible that the bad guys will deceive the nations by pointing, uh, by reimagining the second coming as an alien invasion because it may look that way. And this is how they'll rally the world against God because, I mean, to think that God, people reject God is conceivable. To think that people don't believe in God um, is conceivable. Um, but to think that the world will go to war against God, I mean, that sounds insane Mm. no matter who you are but this trick this this deception made it possible and so the this was really the heart of the matter it has to do with the nature of the second coming and preparing people for that this is really the heart of the revelation everything else is information that teaches us about the nature of reality but there's not much we can do about any of it we we just can observe it oh there's these guys are behind the secret societies they're behind the false religions they compete with god in creating reality for man and, yes, they have bases in the ground, you know, like the one I saw in Persia. Well, you know, there was a the prince of Persia, I was already mentioned, uh, 2,500 years ago at the time of Daniel. How long have these guys been there? It was more about the nature of the angelic world and rethinking the concept of angels. Like – you know, obviously, Jude spoke of Enoch in his letter, and you know, I wanted to buy a book of Enoch. I couldn't find any. So I, I finally went to this uh, store, a bookstore that sold books uh, about, about, you know, the occult. And actually, that's where I found a book of Enoch. And, um, and, and the angels in the book of Enoch, the seven uh, bodies of knowledge that were passed down, that angels were beings that essentially knew more about what makes God's creation tick. That we, you know, from the beginning, uh, like it says in the book of Genesis, we were architects, we built cities, uh, we we were metallurgists, we were musicians, which is very complex mathematics, and and all kinds of knowledge comes from the understanding of sound and vibration. Um, We we had all kinds of uh, knowledge that the fallen angels could not pervert, but they too are beings of knowledge, and we are their children of God. We were made in the image of God, and the nature of reality, in in in, in the creation, in the heavens, in the universe, and and, and is a lot more um, involves process and sequence. And I mean, what is technology if not uh, just God's creation organized according to uh, a set of knowledge? Mm. Like, if if God sends angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Do they have to really just do it by blinking their eyes or imagining it in their heads? Or must God supernaturally, you know, just think that, you know, big stones fall on their heads? Could it not be that these angels like us have understood how to, you know, they're refined beings. They have understood how to manipulate God's creation to create, you know, gizmos that that carry out their mission. Like, You know, we don't want to turn it into sci-fi because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't don't want to imagine the world of angels because we don't understand it. But there was enough here in the scriptural text and in what was being recorded uh, by eyewitnesses and in what was being recorded by ancient writings for me to start to reimagine the world of angels. The Protestant church had inherited a very heavy dose of spiritualized thinking from the Greeks and from the Middle Ages. That perhaps we're not in agreement with the Hebraic view of Scripture in which the Messiah is resurrected in the physical body. And he says, you know, don't you see that I'm not a ghost? Give me some food to eat. Touch my wounds. I have flesh and bone, he says. He makes a... You know a very a big stance over his physical nature because I think that's perhaps so the the idea of things that are so spiritual that people don't see the connections anymore between these chariots and these aliens and these angels and because the angels they belong in a spirit world and aliens well they're they're a thing of you know um, um, Darwinism and how does it all jive together? Well it's it's the way we have come to kind of categorize reality that so for us, it, it led to a different story, and that's what I uh, recorded in this documentary. I, I walked into a company where they had hired me for you know my day job. and um, uh, at the end of this session, this guy came up to me and this 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 company made movies. And this guy came up to me and and he was Irish and he had gone to Jerusalem for six months and uh, it had really you know reignited his faith. And we were talking about the Bible and about the second coming and about uh, things. And suddenly, out of the blue, he says to me, well, you know, uh, there are these aliens, uh, UFOs that people see all the time. Maybe maybe they are going to be our saviors. And I said to him, No, no, it's, it's the other way around. The, actually, the Savior is on his way. These guys are getting ready to create a massive deception, where they will present themselves as the saviors and villainize uh, the coming Lord. This—it's actually the other way, you know—the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I said to him, I need need to tell you this. And so we sat down for a few hours and we talked. And then he said at the end, If you ever want to make a documentary about this, I'm in. And so at the end of it. Uh, the next week, when I saw saw him, I said, "You know, Ken, you know, let's do this. I, I'll I'll make. I want to make a documentary," and so that's how the whole thing started. It was this research, this revelation, my own sighting in the deserts of Iran, and then we we made it, and then uh, it just went viral. We put it up on Google Video, and it just it became one of the most popular things uh in, in, in all of Google Video.
2: Yeah, this is before wow. before YouTube was really uh, gobbling up all the videos. So that's that's crazy. Yeah, to think.
0: YouTube yeah, yeah. YouTube had just been created. It was owned by three young boys in their twenties, who you know were hoping to make it go of it. But the reason we didn't upload it on YouTube was because no one thought that they could beat you know Google. It was like, well, whatever, kids. You know, Google is going to swallow you up. And I guess they, they did, did eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but not the way we had, we had imagined it. You know, <laughs> we chose the wrong platform. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it all kind of worked out in the end. But you know, that's that's so cool. Yes. The whole you know just not just the the biblical narrative that you as you mentioned reimagined but also your personal story the the personal you know experiences and that are kind of interweaving with everything and yeah you know i think all of us have had different types of experiences or sightings or something like that 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 seems to verify that type of situation that that's beyond explainable but uh man your your sighting seems like a it's very familiar, like the darkness, it, it kind of, the only reason why you can see it is because of the lights and the glowing and, and the darkness looked, uh, you know, as dark as the night, that kind of stuff is pretty common. It's very interesting. But I wanted to kind of dive into, you had mentioned a couple things. First off, earlier on, you were mentioning the, uh, the throne of Satan and uh, Zeus in the depiction of it actually is depicted with uh, serpent legs. So it's just kind of, it's a little giveaway as to who might be really behind Zeus there. But right. um, and just to mention that, but also uh, I wanted to get into the book of Ezekiel and specifically yeah. the, the uh, first chapter. And I think chapter 10, maybe kind of reiterates some of those visions, yes. but um, I guess our generation, we started this podcast in 2012 and I was looking at this stuff like 2009, 2010 was when I started to realize like, well, there's something really crazy going on with the Bible and all this UFO alien stuff. Um, and, uh, the guy that really helped me make sense of it, well, there's a few people, but one of them in terms of the scriptures is, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. And so we kind of come at it from the school of Heiser and, um, you know, he's, he's very practical or pragmatic with the interpretations. He doesn't, uh, again, like, like you mentioned, he doesn't try to change scripture into sci-fi. Uh, but you know, I've seen some of his commentary on the book of Ezekiel and the wheel upon the wheel concepts and, um, you know he's very adamant about pointing out how the claim of the ancient astronaut theorists saying that you know there's a disc described here in the book of uh, Ezekiel uh, he kind of pooh-poos that notion without really dismissing this idea that, that that God has a chariot that that appears and that has these uh, interesting uh, characteristics to it. But can you dive into a little bit of the book of Ezekiel in the first chapter and what you saw there? In terms of how it might relate to the UFO
0: phenomenon, just more specifically, yeah, absolutely. So it does um, talk about these wheels within a wheel as 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 you said. It talks about how the rims are so high that they're dreadful. It says there are eyes all around about it. And you know, what I saw, for instance, was round, and it did have green lights all around it. and It did have division and structure. I wonder exactly what Ezekiel was seeing that he was trying to capture to the best of his possibility in the words uh, that, you know, uh, he could come up with in his time, in his language. The same way that, you know, when Elijah is said that he's taken up in a chariot of fire Uh, And horse of fire, each time you Google that and click on images, you'll see this painting made by an Italian painter from the 19th century of an actual chariot and horses with fuming fire. And, well, that's how this painter from the 19th century could imagine those words, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what exactly Ezekiel was seeing, you know, is a manifestation of God, because at the end he sees the sign of the rainbow, which was the sign of the covenant, going back to the story of Noah, which confirms for him that this is God. And then he sees one, like a a man, and starts talking to him, that yes, I'm God, and go tell the children of Israel the following, and so the scroll begins. And then there are these other beings uh, that are uh, angelic-like, and they have wings, but the wings are not flapping the way that we imagine them through uh, the influence of uh, Renaissance art. The wings are straight and they rise when these things are moving. And then they put the wings down when they stop. And the sound of the wings rising and then being put back down, it says it's like rushing water. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yes, I could say, well, you know, uh, when you listen to a jet engine warming up when you're about to get in the plane, it sounds like rushing water. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to... I'm not interested in again trying to make this into into uh, into uh, something that's technologically like conceivable. Yeah, yeah, a technical breakdown. Um, however, I'm interested in saying, wow, he was seeing something that carried God and angels whatever that was i see that there are other passages that talk about such things and i see that there's a modern day sighting of such things and i see that god speaks of the world outside of my windows in his scripture so i should be able to find all the stuff he talks about out there in the world the cities the people you know uh, and and these vehicles and i see that it says in the book of isaiah that god will return with his chariots so I don't have a problem to say that this is uh, the category of writing in the Bible that would be the capturing of what we call the UFO phenomenon, these passages, and include Ezekiel in there as one of the passages uh, that, that seem to, you know, point to this idea. Now, is it, like an interdimensional vehicle, is it a gate? Is it something that carries the Lord this far and then, in a, you know, in, from one place to another? And then he ca- he he travels in the ocean of space, like we travel in the ocean of water. I don't know yet because we don't we're not privy to all of those details. Um, but to have kind of a knee-jerk reaction um, and just throw it all out one way or another. Uh, no, it's more about, okay, where does this fit? Uh, which category of knowledge are we going to put these passages in? So, uh, for me, the rekab and the Merkabah Elohim, the chariots of God, or the chariots of the gods, uh, uh, these this fits in what we call in our scientific paradigm, the UFO phenomena. Mm. Then we have the study of the sons of God, the Beneha Elohim. And this fits with the study of, you know, the gods of the ancient world and their mythologies. Uh, that's how people see them as myths, but they were not myths. All not, they had a reality at the kernel uh, as a truth, at the kernel, and then myth was created about them. But the Bible is here to remove the veil and point to the true nature of these beings and who they really were. And, and then there's the giants and the hybrids, and and these guys existed back then and exist today. So there's the chariots, the vehicles, the the these beings, the angels, and then there is the hybrid offsprings. And so uh, these this is essentially what my documentary was about, even though. I felt there wasn't enough knowledge in the Christian world for me to use the Hebrew terms to talk about it. Um, So Dr. Heiser, when he came, I was very excited because finally there was another person who was talking about the sons of God being behind the nations. And he was talking about um, uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8 and 9. And, and being such a a scholar of such high caliber and having all this knowledge that his education has afforded him, it was so lovely to, to look at his research and it gave me a lot of confidence. I thought, okay, you know, here's another person talking about it. I know that there's some sensitivity in thinking that the moment we make an association between these passages such as Ezekiel one and the modern day UFO phenomenon or the concept of vehicles, we're somehow tilting the mind of the listener into the direction of aliens and ancient astronauts. That is not my um, experience. In fact, I get lots of emails from people that say the Bible has become a lot more real for them as a result of this association. And it doesn't demean God because we don't know exactly how this stuff works, um, you know, but there is something that may carry God into his creation um, because he has taken the shape, as you were, you mentioned in Theophany, uh, he has taken the shape of a man. And we see that in, in Amelia's with Abraham in the plains of Mamre. Um, and so the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament are manifestations, uh, are one of the manifestations of God. And so if God wants to be in his creation with his angels who have need of such things, he doesn't, but his creation does. We do. Yeah. Uh, then that's okay with me. And Ezekiel may have seen such a thing. So th- for me, there is there's not, uh, it's not a problem to make those connections. Uh, the ancient astronaut theorists err. In the identity they ascribe to these uh, the pilots they you know they they see them from a Darwinian point of view. That's where their error is, really. Uh, they don't understand it from a biblical view. Uh, so that's how I see it
1: yeah, it's it's very interesting, you know, because obviously, when you tread in the waters that we tread on this show, you know there's there's certain uh, sort of spinoffs that do start to hold. Um, Just like you're saying, the Darwinian sort of view where God is actually an alien, you know, a a mortal alien being from another planet where the subtlety that we find in uh, the theory you're talking about is, you know, we just don't have any better way to explain this, you know, vision of God operating in a physical realm including v- vehicles and things like that because, you know, you talk about the deception, uh, the UFO deception that has many angles to it, but one being, you know, the the uh, the end times battles, you know, including UFOs and the, the deception is that we're all going to be convinced that it's aliens and we will end up worshiping the aliens. And, and you know, there's many different angles to this. But it's just a subtle shift in perspective, uh, talking about you know what we know about the Divine Council through uh, Mike Heiser and other people doing great uh, uh, research and theorizing on that end, that it may very well look like a UFO invasion, but that's just because we don't have another um way to understand what we would be seeing as far as ufos coming down you know we've been led we've been we've been fed that uh that those visions and ideas and concepts through media for so long that to think of it any other way seems sort of silly
0: well, yeah, I think you put your finger on it that even the idea of saying that these passages in scripture, you know, are echoing what we call the UFO phenomenon. And there's these, you know, vehicles involved that that in itself is a posted note. It's in a way the final posted note before we actually see it for what it really is. It's we shouldn't, you know, get attached to our posted notes. They know this way that the paintings of the Renaissance may have formed our thinking, or the hyper spiritualization of the Gnostics and and some of the m- medieval tradition of Western Christianity may have congealed our thinking in the ether. We don't want to now yet create another paradigm t- that locks our thinking we are essentially proposing yet one more posted note that us 20th century kids we would have to call spaceships because that's the word we have for it but yet it's not that either it's just to say there's something real outside of your window and the Bible happens to talk about it, and so the Bible unlocks these uh, the reality of the UFO phenomenon. It acts like a lock and key. the The actual evidence of it sheds light on these passages, including Ezekiel, I think. And then the Bible provides the meaning of how we are to understand these things. Mm. That's where we are in our thinking. We can't really go any further than that until. It is unveiled before us until we are welcomed into this new kingdom, and we see now clearly and fully. And then we'll be able to go, wow, oh, this is how this thing works. and 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 yes, I think that uh, God is not done with the physical creation. I think that the idea of seeing the physical creation as something minor and foolish, is not in harmony with the God who created it, who blessed it at every turn, and this in the phases of creation, in the days of creation, and uh, and who continues to operate in it, and who was resurrected in it. I think that um, the the idea of the um, uh, poo-pooing of the physical creation in Western Christianity comes starts with the Gnostics who yeah. saw you know and then in the middle ages what we see is that there's a division among christians one group says oh let's study the physical creation of god it's it's god's creation let's catalog it let's study it another group of christians says no 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 we should only focus on the soul and and on the interior world what do we have to do with the physical creation we know everything we need to know about it it's our salvation and the and the and the life of our soul that matters mm-hmm. And this division, um, ends up taking those who started to study the physical world eventually became scientists. And those who went deeper into the study of the soul continued to carry, you know, the Christian light and into the seminaries and into both Catholicism and then the Protestant Reformation and into the colonies in the Americas here. And so what happened is, Christianity became more and more spiritualized in his understanding of everything, including Christ. He's no longer a resurrected man. He is a a spirit, living in a world of spirits with angels who are spirits. And Mm. when a person dies, they become a spirit and they go to the world of spirits. So the whole thing just went on to hyperdrive, and suddenly you come and say, well, there's vehicles involved in the world of angels, and even God is amongst them, and it's like, what are you saying? So, there, we have right. to then, you know, backtrack, right, yeah. and say, well, wait, we kind of went left and we went right, and even the concept of the universe is a problem, because in the Bible, we have the Shemaim in the Old Testament, and Uranus in the New Testament, which means universe, uh, When and sorry. It's been translated, I should say, as universe. I prefer the old English word heavens, mm. because the universe is actually a concept that is introduced by people who have, I think, connections with the uh, Masonic, uh, uh, you know, circles. <laughs> and 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 as we kind of have this concept of the universe introduced to us, then it can get inhabited by aliens. And then we tend to, as Christians, we we were told, oh, you know, we should believe in only what you see. That's what David Hume's disciples taught. And so, Christians reacted by saying, we believe in an unseen world. Um, and so, we kind of extracted God out of the physical world. We then mm. diminished the physical world, and then we kind of put it all into this other realm. However, the, we were never in the universe. We were always in the heavens and on the earth. And what is the exact... Uh, structure of this thing we find ourselves in. I don't even know how my car is put together to be honest. I can't (laughs) tell you like what the exact structure of this thing is. What I can tell you great point. (laughs) What I can tell you is that there are things outside of the window that are being documented and there are passages in the Bible that seem to reference such things. That's the extent of what I can tell you. And Yeah, um, yeah, as far as the the guys that are behind the nations and the the revelation of how that all connects to it, when you read these uh, accounts from the Hindu writings and from the Romans and the Greeks and and from everyone, they always talk about these chariots that in fact, the word Vimana um is something that uh, means aeroplane in modern day hindi but it meant the chariots of the ancient gods the vimana of of the gods of india so they were always involved uh, I, 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 with the story of angels these vehicles and in the bible we see good guys i was on a, a show called coast to coast am with la marzuli uh, who is another researcher and yeah, uh, good friend of ours. Um, and and he you know the host said so you, are you guys saying that oh the host said can you give me examples of these uh, vehicles in the Bible? And so um, um, I, I said, you know, Elijah. Um, the the chariot of Elijah, Um, and then uh, L.A. said, oh, uh, later on in the same story, we have uh, Elisha and Elijah, and uh, Elijah prays that God remove the veil off Elisha's eyes so that he can see that there are so many chariots, you know, Mm. right there with them. And so, after the show, I thought, wow, this is so interesting. Both of us actually referenced these chariots in connection with the good guys, Mm not with the bad guys you see right so so the good guys and the bad guys have them and so because we had the understanding of the word Elohim and how it was divided in in Hebrew I could see that these chariots were the chariots of the Elohim Mm -hmm. whether they be good or rebellious it was part and parcel of their world and even god was amongst them and so this is kind of what made our documentary i thought you know gave it a different slant than than just looking at the days of noah and the reemergence of uh the fallen angels and their hybrid offering offerings and seeing the ufo entirely is just evil right
1: yeah well see that's the interesting thing because as i mean from the very beginning talking about god being you know possibly flying around in a ufo to put it uh, sort of flippantly um you know i can already i can feel it immediately with uh listener you know our listeners are uh are, are experts on the nephilim in their own right having listened to all the stuff we do and those who are friends of the show it's interesting because more i mean i, I would say in entirety, but just for fairness, I'll say more often than not, uh, you know, UFOs and aliens, when they are uh, explained through a Christian worldview, are almost always, um, you know, you come to the conclusion that aliens and UFOs and greys, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are all entirely, you know, demons or of the 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 dark side of the forest, if you will. You know, it's very rarely that you, uh, that the idea is presented that, you know, maybe both sides are represented or they both use these vehicles, like you're saying. Um, So I could see that as a difficult thing for people to sort of navigate around and might have to put a, a little bit more energy into um, you know, being able to see UFOs and or aliens just from just speaking common parlance are anything but, you know, evil s- spiritual forces. And so, you know, I think that's something that will need to be uh, sort of there. There might need to be some help as far as uh, being able to take that. But I think you answered that a little bit. um just talking about Elijah. Um, and the the chariots as far as that goes. Um, You know, one big part of that worldview is that, you know, when you hear of alien abductions or alien encounters nowadays, they are almost entirely uh, negative with the exception of maybe some new age people who are like, yes, I got brought up into the spaceship and I made friends with Xenu. And, you know, he told me that they were going to help us someday, that sort of thing. But other than that, you know, you hear stories about abductions and UFO experiences. And they're almost always like, I was terrified. I was, uh, you know, had some sleep paralysis and it was, it felt very dark and evil and all this kind of stuff. And they probed me or something. It's not very, (laughs) not very fun. Um, So, you know, I have there been. Uh, is there a way of looking at this and modern UFO and alien encounters that uh, would line up with, hey, maybe some of them are good guys?
0: Um, that's a great question. Um, it says that we should test the spirits that come to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is always a good thing, you know, to test. Um, what we see is... Uh, that the forces of darkness are at bay; uh, that the sovereignty and authority of God is absolute. We see that in the book of Job, for instance, where God tells Satan, you know, to do certain things to Job, but tells him also what he can't do to Job. Um, and so, you know, it says that Job, uh, Satan appeared to the presence of God uh, with the sons of God, and um, God said to him, "Well, have you seen my servant Job?" And Satan said, "Well, you've given him everything." And God said, well, okay, take it all away from him, but he can't touch his body. Then afterwards, God said, well, you know, you take away his health, then he's going to, you know, curse your name. And then God said, okay, take away his health, but you can't take away his life. And so we see over and over again that the evil spirits, uh, you know, obey the Lord when he's here, casting them out. The authority and sovereignty of God is clear in His prophecies, where He speaks uh, the future of the nations. Uh, he speaks the future of the angels and what will become of them. Uh, you know, for instance, Satan will be bound in a chain uh, and kept for a thousand years. And so, God is sovereign. How does he control the evil angels? Um, How does he set up a safeguard over the nations of the earth today? Um, Is it possible that the same way that these guys have a presence on the earth and have been here from from the beginning, from the the days of the Garden of Eden, um, that they have been here and, and clearly the nations have been given to them? It says that in the book of Deuteronomy. And we see that repeated throughout scripture. But how about the angels of God? Um, are they not here holding things at bay? Mm-hmm. Are they not here pushing things back? Uh, who's protecting Israel if we were to understand that Israel continues to exist as a character of the Bible? And it says that Michael is the one that protects yeah, Israel. The and Sorry? The restrainer. The restrainer, and so when God says, you know, that the restrainer will be taken away, and people say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit, and people get raptured. Well, it says that the restrainer will be taken out of the way. And like you, Gons, we thought to ourselves, what if God is telling Michael to stand down? And that is what the command is, you know, stand down. And so Michael and his angels, who also have these, you know, this presence in this way that we we're thinking about it, stand down. And so these guys can now march into the Holy Land. So, um, I mean, the, the, if, if you see footage of this stuff, I mean, real footage, you start to see, they're, they're very interesting. These they, they, they have lots of light around them. They have elongated lights uh, as they're moving. They're very interesting. It's hard to understand exactly what they are and how they work these things. but. So how is it that these angels, um, for instance, in our documentary, when we spoke with uh, Pastor Barry Downing, he says, he has this example, he says, you know, uh, people don't know this, but uh, the way that the Soviet Union and the United States began talking to each other, and that red phone was set up, uh, was actually because of the UFO phenomenon. He said that After World War II, uh, when both powers became nuclear, um, all of these ships would appear in front of nuclear silos and turn them off and on. And the same thing was happening in the Soviet Union. And these guys both realized, both the Americans and the Russians, that this is not the other guy. This is something greater. And so suddenly they felt afraid and they felt they needed to talk to each other, Mm. that there might be a greater threat. And this is actually what may, you know, helped avert, you know, a nuclear war. So it's hard to understand uh, the bigger picture of how the angelic world is even right now holding at bay and interacting with the fallen angelic reality. When we focus on alien abductions, we are focusing on a subcategory of a very large biblical phenomenon. And that's, I think, what our documentary was trying to point to when we equated these chariots with the concept of Elohim as a whole. And then there is, within the concept of the Elohim, there is the beneha Elohim, the sons of God, the gods of the nations, the Elohim of the goim, which is a subcategory. And within that subcategory, there is one third that has rebelled against God. And then within that one third, there is a group that have created a bloodline of hybrids into the earth. And now they're harvesting people um, who perhaps have this bloodline in their genes in order to create new ones for purposes that will soon be unveiled. Um, and so, w- when you focus on a subcategory of a subcategory, uh, you may see the darkness in it because you're seeing that the Bible, uh, you know, points to demons when it talks about such phenomenon, but you can't forget that this is a, a subcategory of a much larger uh part of the bible the the study of angels as a whole and that that there is a bigger story the angels of god are here present with yeah. us it says in the book of hebrews that you know you should be hospitable bill because some may have entertained angels unawares well these angels may also be coming and going with these things and then there's also the army of god like um uh there's a passage it says in isaiah 66 verse 15 for behold the lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind Mm -hmm. to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Now, as far as God, you know, like James T. Kirk traveling around, you know, uh, the universe on a spaceship, I don't know about that because that's where I draw the line that I don't know how the universe is put together and I don't know exactly where these things go and where they come from. All I know is that there are there are these, you know, vehicles attested in, in the Bible's Hebrew language and also witnessed by humans today. And yes, it is involves the world of angels and God. And yes, it involves the world of fallen angels. Yeah. And yes, there is a subcategory. So, you got to kind of put it in context. I think that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, there's a lot of different
2: angles to this. And there's so many things that I wanted to comment on. Uh, we're running short on on time a little bit. But… Um, basil, you had mentioned you know about the good guys and and passages and stuff. there's another one in psalm sixty eight verse seventeen where it says the chariots yeah. of God are tens of thousands, thousands of thousands are they uh the lord in his uh is in his sanctuary as he was at Sinai, and so you there it is ten ten thousand chariots surrounding God, you know we we talk about the heavenly host uh, Habakkuk three eight talks about how God rode on. Uh, you know, you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation. And, um, you know, there's it's really interesting because we always talk about transhumanism and the technocracy and sort of the technological and scientific development and where that's taking mankind and how we think it's inspired by fallen angels and all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's interesting because in that world of uh, ESP and the occult and, and the CIA dark projects and stuff, there's quotes and little things that come out that seem to verify another aspect of this, which is that, these uh, UFO craft type things appear to maybe be some kind of living entities themselves. And um, the, the passage that really highlights that to me is Psalm 18, where it says, from verse 9 to 12, it says, He parted the heavens and came down with dark clouds under his feet. Uh, he mounted a cherub and flew. Uh, he soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place, a storm uh, and storm clouds, a canopy around him. From the brightness of his presence, his cloud uh, clouds advanced, hailstones and coals of fire. So there's some kind of like, I don't know, a, a casing of uh to to I don't know, hold in the glory or something like that when he's in the physical universe or something. I don't know, but uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that the concept of a body holding the presence of God is even attested in the body of Christ right. and in the, and in the appearance of God in the Old Testament. Obviously, God is not a person. And I'm glad that you quoted you know, all the chariots that are mentioned in the book of Psalms. That we, we, That's a great passage that points to that reality. So, yes, the fallen angels also have these things because they par- originally were part right. of the world of God and angels, yeah. right? That's all. Yeah. yeah, it's very fascinating. And it,
2: it really does extend into the whole rapture discussion as well and, and not getting into specific yes. timing or anything like that. Uh, there does appear to be in uh, Revelation chapter 6 and 7 a moment when uh uh you have uh the the stars falling to earth but then at the same time all of a sudden all the believers all nations tongue all this kind of stuff appears in heaven so there's kind of a switch happening and that speaks i think to dr heiser's divine counsel and our identity in christ what it means to be a part of that uh, whole world that, that that is unseen at the moment but will become seen eventually so it's very fascinating, exactly. and, um, and you know, I had some more quotes from uh, Ben Rich, who was uh, at Skunk Works, and him, you know, allegedly talking about how UFOs and how they work as ESP. You know, you mind control these vehicles, and it gets into all kinds of stuff that I think is pertinent to our discussion of uh, a metaphysical discussion of where you know you mentioned the two separate paths of uh, a more Protestant religious type going in one direction, and the scientific method, so to speak, going another direction. And now it seems like it's coming full circle, where uh, the scientists that are really digging into the material part of the universe or the world, uh, they are discovering that the, the the source is not found in the material element. It's it's more beyond that, and uh, I think you know obviously the dark experiments and stuff like that has to do with trying to control that maybe cern has something to do with that and all these things but right uh, you know it's very fascinating there's so many different things that begin to make sense when you have this paradigm again i think it's great that you mentioned that you know you don't want to sci-fi anything and i've been accused of that like oh you're just turning the bible into sci-fi and you're just taking everything from enoch and blah 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 but it's like no there's like there's a there's a paradigm uh, a view of how to understand these passages and how to at least absorb what the world is saying about UFOs or aliens or whatever it might be, and have this grounded biblical understanding of what's going on, and that I think is uh, is something that a lot of uh, listeners to this show and people more so even now are beginning to realize, and that's a great thing. And I think uh, you know people like yourself who made documentaries like that—that's part of the progression of getting this understanding out there. Because as the deception gets closer and closer in time, I think it's going to be interesting to watch a, a portion of the. wheat so to speak begin to understand oh that's what's going on that's why jesus is the son of god and that's why we believe in him and all this kind of stuff so
0: you know the religion of ufo is huge the number of people who've already given their hearts to the ufos being the saviors of mankind Mm -hmm. it's under the ground people don't talk about it but as a researcher I meet people all the time who are very important people who already have, you know, believed in deception, so to speak. And and presenting the Bible in this way frees their minds because it gives them not a fairy tale view of scripture, but something they can sink their teeth in. Right. And it kind of is a knowledge for this generation and for this time because this is how the enemy is choosing to present himself and so we need these passages unlocked so that we can actually now speak into the culture God's truth um the uh, idea of putting god in a box and saying you know what god could never do this or could never do that or god could never be in a, you know among the, in the heavens among these things well i mean how how is that big i mean how is that making god big it's actually making god small right. so when people tell me oh god is too big to be like this i go well no i think you're god that you're putting god in a box but you think your box is so big that's big enough to contain god I'm not putting God in the box, I'm accepting God in any way He may choose to manifest Himself as long as it is recorded and attested in Scripture. Then I'm fine with it. Um, and that's what I rely on. If this is how God has done uh, this, and then great. And you know, he that the the cherub you mentioned that he flies on. Well, in the Ezekiel one passage, there are these beings that have these wings that go up and down, uh, that are leading this other encasing. Uh, perhaps you God can you know hop on one of those sometimes and and just. It's like a motorcycle. <laughs> no, no, because we should stop with these illusions. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> just grab the motor. So I don't know what how it all comes together, but there is something real, and these guys are well uh, part of our story because we are the children of the one who was made in the Im- in the image of God. We are in a galactic tale of cosmic proportions. Uh, the nations of the world have these beings behind them. Uh, God has come and visited the earth. He sent his own spirit. His angels are here and he's returning with an army. And we are in a massive story. And it's the understanding of that narrative that brings to light all of these things. Uh, and connects them together and makes sense of them. You know, it's who we are and the story yeah. we find ourselves in. That's the key, I think, to yeah. understand. Yeah.
1: Amen. Well. Alicia, Yadatan, thank you so much. Did I pronounce that right? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. I just want to get you, you my You did a fantastic job. <laughs>
0: okay. And if people want to go on our website, they can. It's thinkagainproductions.com. They can watch the documentary there for free, UFOs, Angels, and Gods. We appreciate a donation. You can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and then there's also a YouTube channel. And if you want to follow up, uh, follow us on Facebook, it's the UFOs, Angels, and Gods Facebook page, uh, not just you know me personally. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Make sure to check that out. Again, that's thinkagainproductions.com. And uh, certainly a lot of interesting new perspectives on the already interesting material that we cover on this show. Ali, thank you again for bringing this to the show. And uh, we hope to stay in touch and see whatever comes next from you and Think Again Productions.
0: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Well, there you have it, folks. I want to give a big thanks to Ali Siadatan again for coming on the show. Really, re- again, like I said, Gans, perspectives, new perspectives. Yeah. Just for consideration. You know, we want to be careful about just towing a party line or, you know, b- believing the first explanations that were given. And this really was uh, an opportunity to see um, some Not opposing, just different perspectives on the uh, UFOs and angels and things like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of you know God's army being in a UFO fleet—it's kind of like well, (laughs) okay, all right,
1: interesting, interesting, good guys and bad
2: guys. So yes, we
1: will leave it up to the discernment of the listener, but. uh, but not outside of the realm of the types of stuff that we look at. Yeah. So, anyways, I thought it was very fascinating. Thank you again, Ali, for coming on. Um, okay, folks, here's the thing. We're on Spotify. Maybe you're listening to us on Spotify. If you are listening to us on Spotify, you should leave a rating and a review. I don't know if Spotify does that, but... <laughs> I don't if, know if you're listening on Spotify and you're able to leave a rating or a review, do it. Maybe we'll get an email about it and we can go look at that. Um, but if you are listening on any other platform, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anything like that, leave us a rating and a review. It is super important, especially because um, it tells those nasty robots uh, the algorithms to share this show with more people. So when you leave a rating and a review, you are actively helping spread the show. So please consider doing that. And uh, Gons today we've had a nice little boost in ratings and reviews lately. And I think we should we should uh, give some cred where cred is due, because on iTunes or Apple Podcasts we got uh, we got a a recent five star review from Mayo fourteen ninety two. Thank you, Mayo fourteen ninety two, and it says possibly the best podcast I've ever listened to, The Christian X Files. That is just so flattering. Thank you so much, Mayo fourteen ninety two.
2: 1490. Do you think he was he or she was born in 1492? Uh, yeah, Just, I uh, think he came over an on the old Mayflower. Old Saint. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's why the Mayo. Yeah. 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 Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1492. Uh, Mayo sailed
2: the ocean blue. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, K. Oh, actually, it's dash K dash one dash two dash three dash. Gave us a five star review. Entertaining. I like to hear what people are thinking about interesting stuff very interesting stuff very interesting (laughs)
1: stuff another five star review from new to apple Uh, (laughs) probably the best apple name that you could use on apple Podcasts. these guys make me laugh while I'm listening to content that I like to listen to give them a listen and you might be hooked like I am and I think hooked is a good description I'm hooked on us guns
2: You're, you're hooked on us
1: like yeah, you, I'm hooked you, on Canary Cry Radio. I can't. You, you I just listen can't to pull it myself away.
2: It's it's yeah. well, I mean, you are the living embodiment of of the Canary Cry.
1: Yeah, I certainly talk
2: about it all the time.
1: I can't shut up about it. Um, let's see, one last one. This is from Andrew. <laughs> another five-star review fun and informative i love canary cry radio they always have quality lengthy podcasts with just some awesome guests i have found quite a bit of people through ccr who i still follow excited for the canary cry community website that's up and running there we go A little ah. ping for canarycry.community he says i'll hopefully be going to hear the watchman conference in texas 2020 Thanks for Ooh. being a good example as Christians, fellas. That's right. We got Hear the Watchman conferences going on all the time. And uh, Gons, uh, as we've said many times before, we were at the one of the recent Hear the Watchman conferences and hopefully many more in the future.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to my... Yeah.
1: Your responses, this call and response thing we're doing, Gons, is really engaging <laughs> this episode. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're just on the tips of your toes.
2: I uh, something happened to the application and it shut down what I was doing. Anyway, oh, okay. I was gonna read Technical one more review, but I can't. I can't look at it now. Let me try. It. Let me try okay. this one. Oh, I got okay. it. I got There's it. Okay, great here we go. Stuff on there. Well, well, there were six new reviews and we read five, so we're not gonna leave out the one that you know. Okay, Gons, we're trying to keep this short. Let's go. Let's go. Read that review. Runk smash says, excellent fringe views. This show is great. Slowly over my life, I've, be- uh, I've come to understand that there is indeed more going on than we're told. This show explores these kinds of topics in a fun and entertaining manner. Grab your best earbuds, give it a listen, and go dig for the truth. Also, they have a great weekly show, Canary Cry News Talk. Same vibe. And uh, once again, I lost the rest of it here. Oh, here we go but also short and frequent get a
1: li- give it a listen to yeah, see i go. love that guns when people plug our other stuff in reviews so it's not us plugging it yet, it's folks. them
2: plugging it see it's the listeners plugging it
1: Wow, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for leaving ratings and reviews. Um, it helps more than you can know. And if you go leave a rating and review, we might read it here on the show. So go do that. I will consider it a personal favor. And again, folks, I got to let you know, Community. It is the cool new place to go. If you are not there yet, I just don't know how to help you. Lots of fun topics going on. And it's a very robust platform so some people are kind of scared of going away from facebook because they don't think that any other platform kind of delivers uh, on a technical level i'm telling you this is a discourse platform and uh, it is very robust a little bit more similar to a forum type of thing which a lot of people love um so I recommend everybody go do that. For every 100 people who join, I'll be giving away a piece of Gonzo's personal information. <laughs> and uh so we can all look forward to that. We're working towards that together. And there is all sorts of topics going on here, Gonzo. Let me just pull this up. Of course, we've got our one of the most popular is dank memes topic. Um yeah. we also have topics about uh, each new Canary Cry radio episode that comes out, there's a new topic on the Children of God cult. Uh, there's a very popular topic scrolling, scrolling. Uh, oh, they- the introduce yourself topic. That's the number one incredibly thread. popular. Yeah. I mean, people are getting into it, learning about each other, fellowshipping there, connecting with other Canarians. I mean, that's really what this is all about because in this world, um, it's, it's easy to connect with anybody and because of that it's hard to really connect you know with anybody at the same time i mean right. it's uh, it's or it's easy it's to weird. connect with nobody yeah, at it's the weird same time. time but over here on the canarycry.community yes it's a real url go there connect with canarians just like you you're gonna love it i guarantee it and discourse hub is uh, a, a uh, an application for Android and iPhone. It's an app, and you can get that, and you can get Canary Cry Community right on your phone. So you're not, um, you are stricken not sacrificing to the
2: computer uh, tower. Yeah,
1: you're not sacrificing the mobile capabilities of the Facebook group, which we still love the Facebook group, where that was our first community, very special to us. But we recommend, uh, you know. We 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 had to deliver on an option that was a non-Facebook option. Right. And uh, so we did. There you go. You're welcome, folks.
2: Yeah. And, you know, don't be shy about posting or starting a thread because I know it can be kind of intimidating because it, it pops up at the top of a, of a you know, ever scrolling list of topics. Uh, but, yes. you know, just go for it. And people have and people have responded and, and you know, uh, conversations well, yeah, have come people off. People do it all the time. Yeah. And it, just um, for the weirdness of right now i'm looking at the statistics here and uh, as you mentioned the introduce yourself is the most viewed post but dank memes is number two and it happens to be sitting on 666 views which doesn't make me feel good about the situation Oh no! so i took a screenshot so i'll put that in the description of this episode and uh Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to refresh yeah. here and, uh, and nothing happening. But uh, a couple other threads just for people that want to jump in. What vein of truthing led you into the deep end? It's a pretty big discussion. Uh, what's your go-to Bible translation? And uh, one of the big ones, how this trash is all going to end? All threads, you can go <laughs> hang out and talk about your experience. Fun. lots and of fun. Things. Yeah.
1: And just to give you a heads up, we uh, screen every new account. You gotta go. You gotta make an account. It'll our admins and moderators will take a look at your email and make sure that you're not some sort of bot. We work very hard to make sure that uh, you know at least obvious trolls and bots don't make it in, so we can keep it a purely human-to-human connection in there. Um, but <laughs> if you, you'll get a little message that says your account is waiting for approval, don't worry. It usually takes less than an hour for our mods and admins to go in there and approve new accounts. And that is for everybody's uh, health and well-being. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Gon, speaking of health and well-being, there's a very important way to keep the health and the well-being of Canary Cry Radio uh, in tip-top shape. And that is by heading to patreon.com slash woo! We got... Rusty, you can hit it. Rusty,
2: but you you put you
1: don't stop it once it's going. Yeah, but you you you, you, you said
2: you said uh, the Patreon, not the. But anyway, okay.
1: CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. That's right. If you don't like Patreon, which there certainly are reasons to not like Patreon, you can go to canarycryradio.com slash support and uh, sign up for a, a monthly support or a one-time donation there. It's very, very important. And this really, all of this is very important because other shows, podcasting is becoming a big industry now. Gons, you and I started back when nobody even knew what podcasts were. I, you know, I
2: hate to be so hit hipsterish about that but it's true we've been we would going for about, we would say we're starting a podcast and people would be like oh oh yeah what, what's a podcast we yeah, got that question a lot
1: anybody over 30 you'd be like yeah i, I do a podcast they're like what is that and you have to say it's like internet radio on demand and they'd be like that's the most boring thing i've ever heard <laughs> next subject <laughs> But now podcasting is uh, is a huge industry, and uh, you know we we've been around for eight or so years. And uh, most podcasts, celebrities coming out with podcasts, people coming out with podcasts, popular popular people, influencers starting podcasts. Why? Because there's money in the advertising. These people don't do it just for the sake of spreading truth. They do it because they can make money unfortunately Gans and I have chosen a, a genre and an industry that does not suit itself to advertising not just because of the content um, because we don't want to be it beholden to corporate uh, ideals and we don't want to have to please advertisers so we don't lose their support but also because we don't believe in turning you the listener into a product and that's what podcasts that have advertising do now, just a little disclaimer, I know in different parts of the world, iTunes automatically puts advertisements on our podcast. You know what? That's true, we for do,
2: some, we do. Th- that's true for stuff like uh, Stitcher as well.
1: Yes. So, platforms may put advertisements on us. We do not see a penny of that. That is, I consider that illegal and yeah, intellectual property theft. Um, but other than that, we do not agree to consent to advertising on this show because we do not consider our listeners as products. Um, So if you get anything out of the show, whether you've listened to one episode or a hundred episodes, we're going on a value for value here, people. If you have gotten any value out of Canary Cry Radio, please consider joining the crowd of people who are coming together to say, yes, we support this show. We support uh, fringe topics, fringe Christian biblical topics being talked about without oversight of advertisers, then go to patreon.com slash canarycryradio or canarycryradio.com slash support. Hit the jingle Canary one more time. Canarycryradio.com slash support. Thank you very much, and thanks to Sam Swanson from Handsome Young Ladies, Slave to Servant, and from the former podcast, well, I guess it's still technically a podcast, God's Property Radio, good friend of the show. Thank you, Sam. Uh, for that jingle. Okay, here's the thing, folks. We got a couple other things hanging in there. Number one, TJT, The Joy Spearcy Theory, another show that I do that is devoted to talking to listeners, people just like you, as well as the authors, researchers, and other podcasters. Um, You know, we get to talk about things other than... UFO theories necessarily. It is a great place. People are telling their testimony, life stories. It is way more interesting than than a lot of other things out there. People are living crazy lives. It's one of the most fun things that I get to do. And uh, you get to hear about the lives of other Canarians just like you, their walk with the Lord, their journey into the fringe, and just the crazy life Things that happen to people. I mean, there's a lot of stories about. Uh, I mean, a lot of drug use. A surprising amount of drug <laughs> use, <laughs> with with fun uh, stories attached to that. You know, we get some before Christ stories. Um, that is always fun, and we get to see just the joyful arc of people's lives as uh, that. Arcs towards Jesus and the truth. So check that out. The Joy Spiracy Theory available on Apple Podcasts and a few other podcasting things, as well as uh, YouTube. So go check it out. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, it's, you're doing an awesome job with that. I think you're much more consistent with that than I am with Face Like the Sun at the moment. I'm trying. I'm not the
1: best, but I'm trying. Yeah. I've got a few in the can, so I'm hoping to start off 2020
2: strong. Yeah, yeah. the 2020 thing really uh, motivates me to get some stuff moving for oh. the Face Like This on Channel and- 2.
1: And real quick on TJT, I've been holding onto an episode for a little bit too long, but mainly because I wanted to start the year with it, with Michael Basham. Uh, some of you may know him from Spirit Wars and uh, a bunch of other stuff that he does. He has an incredible story. I mean, he was in uh, the Children of God cult for a while. Ooh. and uh Yes, he has a lot to talk about. Very interesting story um, and very interesting perspectives uh, that I want everybody to listen to. That's going to be the Michael Basham episode. Not out yet, but very soon. Um, Just go subscribe to The Joy-spiracy Theory. It's conspiracy theory, but with joy instead of con. There you go. (laughs) All right, Gons, and uh, yeah, you, oh, the the infamous, the famous, the very popular silver play button award-winning YouTube channel, Face Like the Sun, Gons, that's where most people even hear about this show, so I'm very grateful to all the work that you've put in there, but a wealth of uh, good fringy biblical information, um, as well as uh, just general uh, uh 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 good good feelings to people like us who listen to this show and are engrossed in this type of work
2: yeah i appreciate that there was a moment where i thought you know uh, calling it, uh, it the, the, it's i can't tell if you're being starting to become sarcastic about this idea of face like the sun being this wealth of knowledge but i, I you know i was looking at it and i'm like i have a lot of videos on this channel it's ridiculous. Yes.
1: You're being very, he's being very humble. Everybody. I, 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 it's more of a a matter of protocol that I bring up face like the sun because everybody already knows and follows it. <laughs>
2: but <laughs> I just always love taking the chance to brag about my good friend. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I got some plans for 2020 as well with the channel and getting some more stuff out there and, and having it uh, all jive into the bigger picture. But that's uh right. yeah are we, are okay. we gonna are we gonna rattle some cages battles the uh, that's
1: what I was just gonna okay. say. Hey, if you're, You guys are out there. You got friends who you know are on the verge of falling into the rabbit hole, taking the red pill, and those friends, you got to grab them by the cage and shake it.
3: They're going to probably try and rattle her cage a little bit more. I
1: want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle
3: a few cages. Hey, stop that. Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Never.
0: Canaries in
1: a cage? That's right, everybody. Tell those people that Canary Cry Radio is the place for them, and uh, you know, sharing the show with your friends and family, as well as on Facebook, things like that. Pick an episode that they might like, send it to them, open their eyes. That's the way to go. And if you're here because your friend uh, sent you an episode, told you about Canary Cry Radio uh send us a note at CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com send us a note about who let you know about us and uh, we'll give them a little shout out on the show here let's do that promises that's a thing i i just made up and uh i'm happy to follow through with because i think that people who are helping spread the show and open people's eyes to the truth uh deserve recognition we'll do first names only um just for privacy sake so send in first names and uh we'll give the person who told you about canary cry radio a shout out that's a nice little gift uh for the gift that they gave you or
2: or fake oh. first names
1: that works yeah too. whatever you want yeah, yeah well, i'll just literally read whatever name you send me <laughs> so i'll let you figure that out okay gons, are you good i'm good Okay everybody, also make sure to check out Canary Cry News Talk It's a show we do every single week uh, You get some updates on news stories that you're not going to hear in the mainstream Relating to biblical prophecy and all the funky stuff we talk about here Especially Flippy the Robot The the very friendly colloquial name that we've given to the robots Who are going to take our jobs, uh, enslave our children, and flirt with our spouses Flippy the Robot everybody Okay, here we go Gonson mm-hmm one more time
2: you're good uh yes but uh, just one more thing with ccnt we have the uh, yes but
3: nephilim update
1: Yes. Nephilim updates. If you want to hear what the Nephilim are up to in uh, in the world today, you're going to need to go listen to Canary Cry News Talk to get your Nephilim updates. And that's all for this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Sorry for the long intros and outros, um, but you need to make sure to tune in next time. But until you do, think outside the cage.